Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. This podcast is sponsored by TheraWorks Relief. Many of you get sore, achy legs from standing all day or get asked about painful foot and leg cramps. If so, you're going to want to hear about TheraWorks Relief, a clinically proven topical foam that prevents and relieves muscle cramps and soreness. Learn more at theraworksrelief.com. Hey listeners, it's APHA Conference Weekend, and I hope if any of you are here in Seattle to be sure and check out our meetup, which is going to be Saturday, March 23rd from 7.30 to 8.30 a.m. at Wild Ride Cafe. It's right across from the convention center, and I look forward to meeting you there. Also at the APHA Conference is our guest, Tony Guerra. Have you always wanted to be an author? In this episode... We'll learn how pharmacist Tony Guerra has successfully created over 14 audiobooks. All right, so today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Our guest, Tony Guerra, is a Maryland pharmacy graduate that teaches college chemistry and pharmacology. He precepts an academic rotation focused on face-to-face classroom teaching and educational publishing. He's published and or authored 14 audiobooks and is finishing a pharmacology textbook for a national publisher this summer. His primary goal is to make complex science both engaging and accessible. Tony, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Hillary, thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being here. And, you know, as a fellow podcaster, if uh, our listeners have heard of Tony, he's over at the Pharmacy Leaders Podcast. So check out some of his information there. Um, So, Tony, now that our listeners have heard just a little about your background, uh, maybe you can share a little bit about your personal life. Well, I've got triplet seven-year-old daughters, and that's kind of a big part of my life. Uh, They were uh, born a little bit premature, 29, um, 29 months and three days, uh, or 29 weeks and three days, and uh, it was uh, um, a bit harrying from there, but otherwise it's uh, super fun. And then uh, uh, other than that, uh, like running and the CrossFit Open starts, well, they announced it tonight, so CrossFit running and triplets, uh, that keeps me busy. Yeah, I... Um know that you're a big runner and are always getting in miles, whether it be at a a pharmacy conference, you're fitting it in or, you know, trying to raise three kids with your wife. So that's awesome. Um, so Tony, you've gotten a, a lot of awesome work doing uh, audiobooks, which is a very unique space for pharmacists. So um, yeah, I just wanted to to dive in a little bit more about you know, how did you decide to start doing audiobooks and um, maybe share a little bit more about how that's been successful? I know you've you've um, been able to add a whole additional pharmacist salary even um, by doing that. So, so share maybe some of the, the pr- steps and how you were able to start doing audiobooks. That would be very interesting. Well, uh, the only way things like this fit into somebody's life, especially if somebody has kids and things like that, is that it it kind of aligns with my job. And 
it actually was somewhat required because uh, under the new ADA guidelines, uh, anybody who has federal money has to uh, provide uh, multiple ways of getting the content to the students. So you can't just do the lecture if you're going to teach an online class. You have to have the audio. You have to have uh, a way for them to read it uh, and things like that. So it was at first just something to uh, fulfill a requirement that they needed to be able to hear it. But what I found is that students really don't have much time and they started picking it up on the way to school. And if you can make something engaging that is normally something that's a lot of work for them, a textbook to read, then it'll be something that uh, works well. So I didn't mean for it to, to do so well. It just happened to do so well. It, it, I just got uh, lucky in some sense, but I'd written the book three or four years before that. And it just was a matter of putting it into audio. And in terms of competition, there's significantly less competition in the audiobook space than there is in, for example, like a Kindle, where you have millions and millions of people against you. Uh, and if you can get a niche, you don't have very many people competing against you at all. And I was going to talk a little bit later about some of the collaborations I've had with other pharmacists that have social networks and that have kind of missions that uh, were similar to mine. And we've been very successful uh, having over 1,200 sales and Gosh, just a couple of months uh, with Blair and Brandon and Eric uh, from various platforms. That's amazing. And I mean, I just, you know, personally, how many times have you seen students or, you know, you were a student and you're trying to get your work out in or you're trying to do something and how amazing would it have been to be able to study those textbooks if they were in audio format. So I think you're really on to something there. Um, so Tony, tell a little bit about maybe how, how it invest like time and how much is invested in actually creating an audio book. Um, did you have to get a publisher or anything or, um, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people are just, that's such a new area. Um, maybe just a few little, tips might be helpful oh okay yeah so it actually it, everything's uh, self-published i do have one book that uh which is a textbook and i, I wrote half of it but i got paid a, a certain amount for the actual book and then this new one that's coming up i actually got a percentage which is pretty rare uh these days they, they prefer to just pay you x amount of dollars but this one i'll get a percentage and and i'm not saying we're going to end up as coda kimball or anything like that but when it comes to uh, picking an, an audiobook narrator, you've got many, many choices, but the magic number tends to come around uh, 300 to 400 per finished hour. And what a finished hour means is that at the end of their time making it, producing it, putting it all together, that hour is done. So my the one book that sells the best, uh, it's seven hours long, so at $400 per finished hour, it cost me about 3000 to do it. And... That was a big bet, and it just worked out. But I kind of wanted to do it, so at the same time, I just I got lucky at the same time that it, it worked out. But 300 400 per finished hour is what you uh, would expect to pay. So let's say you had a, a, a book, and you don't have to have a print book, so it's, it's a lot easier than that. All you need is a Word document, and every 9,300 words becomes a finished hour. Wow. So if you've got a book of 9,300 words, uh, then you've got a finished hour. But one kind of tip for your listeners is that Audible listeners like to use their credits. 
So the higher you are over six or seven hours, the more value they feel uh, because they all pay the same for each credit. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of better to have a, a book that's somewhere around 60, 70,000 words. Uh, that's really where, where you want to be. Wow, that is fascinating. And so memorizing pharmacology has been one of your biggest ones. And I know um, you've even got a YouTube channel. Uh, so we definitely want to chat about that as well, because you've, you've been able to maximize uh, that. Do you find that you, you're able to generate, uh, I guess, promoting your books by making your YouTube channel available or maybe share a little bit about that? Yeah, that's actually where all the sales came from. And I was really, I, I had no idea at the time that this was happening. So I just did a two hour video, which was a two hour short of the actual book. And the first thought is, oh my gosh, I'm giving this away for free. No one's ever going to buy the book. And YouTube is actually, I think, the third largest search engine or second largest search engine in the world. And you don't necessarily think of it that way. You think, well, if I need to know how to fry an egg, I just, you know, pull it up on YouTube. And I don't think, okay, well, if I put this up on YouTube and it gets a bunch of views, then people are going to say, wow, I'd really like to listen to you in the book, or I'd really like to have the book. And that's what I found out. So there are two kind of YouTubers. Uh, there's the YouTuber who has a lot of views per video, or there's a YouTuber like me that has so many videos that I get a lot of views. And uh, I have just short of 1500 videos. Oh, wow. And that's why I have close to 5 million views. I wish I was popular. Uh, Matthew McConaughey says, all right, all right, and he gets 3 million views. So it's, uh, <laughs> I wish I had that popularity and celebrity. But I saw somewhere that you want to put, I think, 1,000 videos out uh, to get 1 million views is the easiest way to do it. Okay, just keep producing content then, huh? Yeah, just keep grinding it out. And I had no idea that I would actually get any money from it. And I just, one day I was like, you know, let me go see if I have any money in that Google account or whatever it was. And there was $1,500. And I was like, cool, you know, I just have to put in this pin or something. And then there's a check for $1,500. So it was kind of cool to, to get that extra money. But the money is not in the YouTube. The money is having something to do, something to promote on YouTube. And um, Blair, for example, is very high end, uh, very high quality products that, um, cost a bit more mm -hmm. where I have good products, but I have to sell a ton of them, mm -hmm. many, many products. So we just are in different spaces. So it kind of also depends on what space you're in. So I'm definitely a volume space. Uh, and then uh, someone like Blair is uh, uh, kind of the opposite where she's a premium space. Yeah. So talk, speak, since we're, we're on the topic of collaborations, uh, and just for our listeners, uh, Blair Tielemeyer, uh, she's with um, BT Consulting and has uh, Pharmapreneur Academy and, and an Elevate uh, Pharmacy Virtual Summit, which I think was the very first virtual summit, which is pretty amazing. And that's, that's uh, usually every spring. Um, so that's coming up here soon. Be sure to check that out. Tony, tell us a little bit about uh, the type of collaborations that you've been working on uh, with some of the other pharmacists uh, in the profession. Well, I like uh, you guys, I, I'm just super busy. And there's just a point where I'm like, I just can't, 
I just can't write as fast as I'd like to publish these books. So I started reaching out to three specific pharmacists uh, about their things that they had that were not in audio. So Blair had an MTM consulting book, and I was like, why is this not in audio? This, is, this would be a great book, a great resource. And so I just reached out to her and said, hey, can I write um, – edit the book for the ear is, is how you would say it. So can I, can I make it for the ear so that it's a little bit more audio, but it actually flowed conversationally. It wasn't a ton of work, but I think we got a, a great, great book that came out of it. And with her, it was just, uh, let's make this audio book together. Uh, same thing with uh, Eric Christensen. Uh, he has had a pharmacotherapy book and the thrill of the case, which is another pharmacotherapy book. These are, those are each seven hours. And, said, hey, can I make your book for the ear? And then, you know, we did that and we had our collaboration. But with Brandon Dyson of TLDR Pharmacy, so there's BT Pharmacy Consulting in Blair, there's Eric Christensen with meded101.com, and then uh, Brandon is par part of a team at TLDR Pharmacy that tends to put out something like mine, but at a different and higher level. So mine is really for the freshman, sophomore, health professional student, or even pre-pharmacy student where Brandon is, you know, chopping down like, okay, here's what you do with chemo. Here's what you do with HIV, those really tough uh, NABplex uh, topics. And I said, hey, let's do an interview book for uh, residency. And uh, we went back and forth, uh, started making some audio files. And this is really kind of the key to getting it done as a busy person. Uh, we didn't write, write the book, like sit down and type it. Mm -hmm. We recorded the entire thing and it was terrible as we recorded it, and then we edited it to make it much better. Uh, and then that one has done uh, really well. A lot of uh, students have benefited. But what was crazy was I put it on the APHA site for free under Kindle, and it had 2,100 downloads in a single day. Wow. So it would have been nice to get 10 bucks a book for that one. We got nothing, but, <laughs> but it benefited a lot of people. And uh, it shows that there's some definite needs out there uh, that would just kind of go with your niche. It's just a matter of figuring out what those are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. Speaking of education, are you aware of the 2014 drug APHA Engage platform, which for any listeners that are APHA members, that is uh, basically an online listserv, if you will, to stay up to date on all things APHA. They have different communities for the different special interest groups that you can be plugged into. Uh, and Tony is often sharing for free resources with students. Um, you're very pro student and always, you know, promoting and putting good information out there for other pharmacists. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, and I, I think I saw that you had had a, a residency uh, kind of a powwow or webinar that you helped uh, students as well. Uh, so while we put out, you know, a couple-hour book, I think you had a much more 
uh, robust uh, uh, something. I didn't get to because I'm not not applying for a job, but I know that you had something a bit more robust in terms of actually giving them the questions or uh, talking about the questions with a panel. Yeah, um, that I had a panel discussion that was live and um, that's actually on one of the podcasts. So if, if anyone is listening to this and uh, at a later date applying for residencies, it was pretty helpful. That one's specific to prepping for mid-year. And then I put together some other resources to walk through the entire um, uh, residency process. And that's all on Teachable um, at residencybootcamp.teachable.com. And so it should be evergreen content, That meaning that um, you know, next year, whenever students are getting ready for uh, the, the process, they can go on there and it's an on-demand um, type uh, course. So they can they can get in there and check that out. But yeah, I think, um, you know, in talking with students and, and residents, I feel like there's just a lot of uh, need out there about navigating, well, one, navigating your career, which um, I think that that you and I are able to, to share some success stories and things about pharmacy uh, leaders in the industry um, on different career paths and things. But then two is like, you know, some of the basics on like, how do you interview and, and, you know, just some like kind of one-on-one guidance. And um, Ashley Clevens Hayes is, is doing some in-depth uh, one-on-one coaching. Uh, she's with RX Ashley and for those who really want some specific uh, career coaching, she's uh, putting that available as well. Um, so all kinds of pharmacists doing fun things. Um, so it's really just about finding your passion and, and um, you know, putting in some hard work and, uh, and just staying with it. So, um, Tony, maybe share a little bit about, uh, you know, your maybe not not teaching pharmacy students, but how did you get into um, the area where you are, where you're, you're teaching pharmacology um, to, um, who is it, like freshmen and sophomore, um, or you share a little bit more about um, how you were able to kind of get into that space? Oh, sure. So uh, during the recession, uh, my wife and I were uh, in residency uh, when we moved to Iowa. So I was older and she was new grad and um, came here and there were not a lot of jobs. And one of the jobs though was for a pharmacy technician, a uh, person to teach a pharmacy technician program. And, and the college actually wanted a, a person to teach it. But the salary was about, I want to say one, <laughs> one third of pharmacist salary. If you want to use pharmacist salary as a kind of a barometer but in the in the recession, that was good enough, uh, and we were fortunate that we kind of followed some of the principles that the YFP team uh, has. Uh, if you don't know those guys, the three Tims that kind of are all things financial to pharmacists, and so we could afford to have you know her have a job and uh, me have a job that just paid a lot less, and. I got that teaching position because I happened to be a pharmacist, and I I kind of looked ahead to know that eventually the salary would catch up. Eventually the salary would go up to something that's a lot more reasonable or a lot more livable. And uh, after a number of years, uh, that kind of went away uh, with some things that happened with accreditation and with pharmacy technicians. 
And you may not know this, but as a pharmacist, if you have 18 graduate credits in chemistry, you're allowed to teach chemistry at a community college. If you have 18 graduate degrees in anatomy and physiology or biology, you're allowed to teach at a community college. So while at a four-year school, <laughs> Vanderbilt in, in your backyard, places like that, they're certainly going to have PhDs teaching the chemistry class, but they're also going to charge you 50000 a year. Uh, we charge 5000 a year, so it's a little bit different in tuition. And in terms of teaching, I'm allowed to teach chemistry and biology, anatomy, physiology. I had enough micro that I could teach that. And it was just kind of a cool opportunity to do face-to-face -face teaching, and all of our classrooms are under 25 people. So you've got a group that I'm very passionate about because my dad's an immigrant from Peru. Uh, I know what it's like to, to not speak the language or to have someone in my family that didn't speak the language. So I've got a lot of people that are really starting out, trying to do what they uh, can to help their families. And, and so it's, uh, some, it's one of those rare jobs you'd like to keep for the rest of your life. So I've been there 11 years. Uh, and it's just been uh, phenomenal. But I, I do face-to-face -face teaching, three chemistry sections a semester, and then uh, one online pharmacology section. And then um, I also have another uh, pharmacology section for health information technology students. But uh, it's just nice to be able to also precept the students uh, in the area, uh, Iowa and Drake, and allow them to get face-to-face -face teaching in something that they're competent in. So instead of, oh my gosh, it's acute care rotation, why did I make this block one? Uh, it's actually uh, quite pleasant that they know what they're doing, they're able to connect with the students, they're able to work on their public speaking skills. And many people come to me just like, no, I'm not really interested in academia, I just wanna speak better in front of people. And that's totally valid as well. But uh, how do you get a job like this? Uh, many of the community colleges across the country would love to have a pharmacist. I have colleagues that are chiropractors and physical therapists, podiatrists, physicians, dentists, uh, all kinds of practices that went from clinical practice and just decided they wanted to teach full-time and uh, they're able to uh, do that uh, at any community college if they have those 18 credits. Wow, that is fast. Thanks for sharing. You know, I, I think a lot of people probably weren't familiar with uh, the teaching route, so um, that's you know, for people who have a real passion for teaching, certainly uh, a good opportunity um, and has has been able to open up some doors like uh, creating some books and things for you. So, um, Tony, as our final question, what is some advice that you would share with your younger self or for other pharmacists who are just getting started in their career? I would record a book as soon as I could. Uh, you only need an hour of content to make 9,300 words. So I would have uh, gone back and said, hey, uh, don't worry about sitting at a computer and try to write a book. Uh, just make a recording that's uh, an hour long or two hours long and cut it down to an hour and just get the content that you're passionate about. Put it on. And now I'm pretending that my younger self was not in the uh, 90s but uh, was able to upload to Kindle. Uh, then I would upload it to Kindle, uh, and then I would make it into an audiobook. But I think that there are so many pharmacists out there that have stories to tell, that have advice to share, and that think that they can't write. And I'm telling them right now that to be an author, you don't have to write. Just record an hour or record two hours. Uh, have somebody transcribe it. I use temi.com uh, to transcribe it for like three bucks or something like that. And then you have a book and you're done. That is awesome. Well, thank you, Tony, so much for being a guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Hillary, thanks so much for having me. 
And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out the show notes at www.pharmacyadvisory.com. And a special thanks again to our sponsor, TheraWorks Relief, which is a topical muscle cramp reliever that is available in most retail pharmacies across the country. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening. 